Welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast with Brian Moran, sponsored by Pitney Bowes. Now, here's your host, Brian Moran. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Small Business Edge Podcast. I'm Brian Moran, and today I want to welcome Irene Malatesta, head of content strategy at Funbox, a company dedicated to creating better financial options for small businesses. Irene has a decade of experience in marketing and communications, creating brands and growing businesses. As a content strategy leader at Funbox, Irene defines the content strategy for the company. She leads the research process, creates original and educational content, and works to connect business owners with access to the tools and financial education they need. Welcome to our show, Irene Malatesta. Thanks, Brian. Happy to be here. Uh, excellent. So, Irene, what's happening? What's what's going on at Funbox? What's some good news that you have? <laughs> well, a lot is going on at Fundbox. Um, I joined the company about a year ago, and it has been a very eventful year. Uh, just uh, recently, we were named to the CB Insights FinTech 250 for the second time. For those that don't know, no. that is the list of top 250 most promising financial technology companies uh, in the industry. So we're super uh, proud to be on that list again. Congratulations. That's exciting. That is great. Thanks. It's nice to be recognized in that way. So one of the things, and I, I follow Funbox uh, closely and what you're doing with small businesses, and I think it's great. But you, you've kind of taken a, a unique approach to uh, some of the aspects of what you do. You recently wrote a book, uh, an ebook actually. It's titled, What If? Designing Fair and Equal Access to Credit for Women. So tell me a little bit about the book and tell our listeners why you wrote it. Well, we're really excited about this report, this ebook, and we're passionate about the topic for several reasons that okay. I'll go into. First of all, women business owners in the United States are incredible. Let's just say that. They're making huge contributions to the economy. To give you an idea of scale, women business owners own millions of businesses. They generate over a trillion dollars a year in revenue. Not only that, but the growth rates of women businesses are specifically huge when compared to the growth rates of businesses in the United States overall. So that all sounds really positive, right? Mm -hmm. Behind that story, though, there is a different reality that women have historically faced and continue facing a greater number of obstacles to financial and entrepreneurial success when you compare them with male business owners. Even today, there are a lot of people who don't realize that this is still the case or who believe that gender discrimination and bias against women is over, that this is a solved problem. Um, and that's really troubling to me. The data shows that this isn't true, that women are still dealing with, with this kind of discrimination. So the whole first half of the report is dedicated to really laying out the facts and the history to let people know that this has been a problem and the extent of the problem. And so... You know, why Why do we do this? Why did Fundbox sponsor a report like this? Well, it's very important to us because at Fundbox, we talk a lot about financial inclusion. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? Well, so part of our, our mission, our core mission is to help entrepreneurs get access to the capital they need. It's to help level the playing field for entrepreneurs who are underserved by making access to financing easier, by making it faster and more fair. So we were really attracted to this topic of inequality between different types of business owners, different groups, because we believe in examining the things that are most problematic in our financial system. And then we use technology to try and improve it. 
It's unbelievable. I love that. You know, the financing for business. And when you talk to most business owners, you know, the single biggest issue that keeps them up is is financing. It's cash flow, right? It's And it's the thing that they don't understand. So before we even go any further, how can our listeners get a copy of that report? Oh, absolutely. That would be a good thing to mention. <laughs> Funbox.com slash what if uh, is where you can go to download the report. So www.funbox.com backslash what if. And that's how you can get Correct. a copy of it. Okay, great. You know what? Tell me a little bit more about the credit gap that you're seeing between men and women business owners. Because I think that's something that if, if I'm a, a woman business owner listening to this, I, I want to know what you see as the things that are holding me back. Absolutely. Um, well, so let's just start out with a couple of stats that I think are useful for people to know. Number one, female entrepreneurs are typically, they are way more likely to use private sources. Uh, by that, I mean personal savings or money mm-hmm. from friends and their family to finance their businesses, right? Right. So they apply in similar rates to men, but only 39% of women-owned firms had a conventional bank loan. By comparison, 52% of male-owned firms receive conventional bank loans. There is a significant gap there in who's getting traditional funding. And it doesn't really make sense when you realize that women-led businesses are growing at a rate that outpaces the population, um, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And there are three big factors that we found that are having a, a definite impact. First of all, you cannot underestimate the persistence of gender stereotypes. Uh, There are a few studies out there that illustrate this really well. I won't go into a lot of detail about that. Uh, I'm happy to add them uh, to the the show notes if it's helpful. But one was in 1988, where researchers looked at how loan officers assess loan candidates, individual people looking at applicants for loans, uh, looking at some really subjective qualities like, for example, persuasiveness or leadership, et cetera. Right, right. So what they found was often the the positive qualities associated with entrepreneurs who are successful were assigned to male applicants, but not women. Uh, So the male applicants were perceived to be more persuasive or more more, uh, greater leaders, more risk-taking, et cetera, even if the applications were very similar. So based on certain male-female stereotypes about how people behave in business, men tended to have an easier time getting those loans. Uh, and so you might say, right, isn't that awful? So you yeah. might say that was that's 1988 and you know we're past that and things have changed. It's been so many years. Fast forward to now, we have studies that are much more recent that point to similar biases that still exist. Um, in the What If report, we looked at and we discussed a, a study from 2016 um, that revealed men and women are treated differently in, at work and professional situations based on the sound of their voices. And I think it's really, really important to talk about this, how men and women are just constantly being judged and perceived differently. And the way to deal with this and do a better job of treating everyone fairly is to first become really conscious of the bias and become intentional about how we treat people, how we act. Mm-hmm. Um, as a side note, we we take this really seriously at Funbox as well. We actually had a whole company, um, company-wide company unconscious bias training um, to talk about this issue and, and how to get ahead of this issue because we feel it's really important. Um, so that's the first factor is, is gender stereotypes. The second big factor that really contributes to the credit gap is unequal pay. Mm-hmm. Um, you're familiar with the Equal Pay Act? Of course. Absolutely. It was... 
Right. It's over 50 years old, mm-hmm. uh, 1963. Um, but American women still haven't achieved wage equality. Uh, the Institute for Women's Policy Research uh, published some stats uh, just last year about the ratio to male-female full-time earnings. It's still only 82%. You've heard of Equal Pay Day. We celebrate the, the symbolic day when women's wages catch up with men's from the previous mm-hmm. year. That's in April. That's in April. But that is only if we're looking at women as a total uh, total group. For women carrying the double burden of sexism and racism, the wage disparity is even greater. And, and you can look at you know the equal pay day for, for different groups. Uh, black women, for example, make only 60 cents right. on the dollar. Uh, you know, you usually hear that 80 cent statistic, but depending on depending on the details, it, it's even more dire. So so what does this have to do with the credit gap? Well, the third factor is credit scores. So your listeners are probably really familiar with this, but according to FICO, five components that drive a credit score, payment history, amounts owed, length of credit history, uh, also known as, as the average age of credit, new credit, types of credit used. But most lenders don't consider the impact of income or wage or salary on these measurements. So for a healthy FICO score, the recommendation is to keep your credit utilization under 30%. But if you're earning less over time, you're probably having to use more of your credit. You may be using it responsibly. You may be building an incredibly successful business. Your business might be growing, but you might still have a worse FICO score to show for it. Be, you know, compared to somebody who simply has more assets because they've spent mm. their lifetime making more money. It's easier to accumulate assets and save, accumulate wealth, and use a lower percentage of credit if you make more. So all of these things combined, I hope it's easy to see here the trap that many women can find themselves in, including highly successful entrepreneurial women. Women fight harder to succeed, they get paid less than men for similar work, and then they work harder to maintain good credit scores. And all of that contributes to women having a harder time getting approved for the credit they need so that they can build their businesses. It's really quite a trap. You know, it is dumbfounding that we're still having this conversation, um, that that it, it, it's unfortunate is what it is, because you know, with the internet, with the innovations in technology, we've opened up so many more opportunities on a global scale, right? I mean, if you're a business owner, it's just as easy to do business with somebody in India as it is in Indiana. And that yet we still have these barriers to entry for women and minorities. Well, because the, the financial component drives everything. You want to grow your business, you need the fuel to drive the car, and that's your cash and your cash flow and and a line of credit or a loan to grow your business. Um, so I, I thank you, first of all, today for being on our podcast and, and you know, continuing to drive home the point that uh, gender inequality and the stereotypes and the unequal pay are all still res- relevant and need to be addressed. And I say that as a white middle-aged male, uh, you know, recognizing <laughs> recognizing that this is still a problem because a lot of the people that I do business with, a lot of my listeners are women business owners, and this is still a struggle mm-hmm. for them. So they ask me, you know, do me a favor, talk more about this, you know, get more people on it, and let's have uh, some solutions or some opportunities for us to address this matter. So on that note, thank you. Well, Brian. It- Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm glad that this resonates with you. And I just wanted to make a quick point uh, based on something you said. You know, the reason we call the report, what if, we're asking the question, what if 
all entrepreneurs were treated fairly and equally when it came to accessing credit, mm-hmm. when it came to getting the financing that they needed, the fuel for the car, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter if you're a white male or if you're a woman or you know whatever your race or gender, this problem has an incredibly huge and negative impact on our entire economy, the entire economy. Um, so we're asking, what if women were were treated fairly, what if they were allowed to contribute to their full potential to the economy? Yeah. How much more would we all achieve together? So I I can't remember. I may have heard this from you or somebody else at Funbox. I can't remember where I heard this story. Um, So I'm just going to attribute it to Anonymous. But it was talking about, somebody was talking about uh, orchestras, that orchestras were 90% male. And so that one orchestra did a um, like kind of a blind audition. And so people walked out onto a stage, but they walked out uh, behind a curtain and they played. And so and they said yes or no, you know, based on their performance. And it was largely the same. It was about, you know, 85, 90 percent male. And then somebody said, why don't you have them walk out on a carpet? Because you could hear the shoes as they walked across the stage and you knew if it was a man or a woman. So they Mm -hmm. did it on a carpet and the numbers fell to almost 50-50. This is a, that's a great story to bring up. Um, This is a famous, uh, famous experiment that the Boston Symphony did, I believe back in the 50s. Okay. I I have also heard this story and this, uh, this practice the the results were so uh, <laughs> surprising to them, not not to some of us, yeah. maybe um, that other orchestras have have adopted this. This too. It's brilliant. But this goes back to like nineteen fifty. But it takes out that unconscious bias that you talked about, mm-hmm. and I think that is definitely mm-hmm. something that you, you know I've always been a proponent of diversity and, and inclusion, and I say that the more diverse a company is, the better it can come up with different solutions to the same problem because you have people looking at it from different angles. Um, You know, a great one I heard, I was at a conference in uh, Dallas and um, uh, Jerry Jones's daughter, and I apologize that I can't remember her first name. uh, She's the head of brand identity at the Dallas Cowboys. And uh, she sits on the board or works with her two brothers and her father and she said, you know, I earn that seat at the table because I bring a perspective to the organization that my brothers simply don't. You know, 40% of the fan base of the Dallas Cowboys are women. And I know what they want. And okay. I know what the men want too. But it certainly helps to have my opinion when we're talking about licensing opportunities or marketing programs. And that, that has, I, I mean, if you have everybody in a room who thinks the same, who looks the same, who acts the same, then all you're doing is you're doing a disservice to not only the company, but to the customers and the vendors and the partners, because you're never going to be able to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. I fully agree with you. And there's a growing body of research that suggests uh, you are are correct in, in saying that. Um, there have been studies, some of which we also examine in the report, uh, the What If report, that indicate companies with more diverse boards and more women in executive leadership positions are actually more profitable. Um, there you go. So, 
so there is some quantitative support for that assertion as well. I love it. All right, let's let's get back to this. And by the way, if you want that report that uh, Irene is talking about, www.fundbox.com backslash what if. I highly recommend you, uh, you download it and read it. Um, so what's the problems now with traditional credit approvals? What, what are you seeing as, as some of the problems? Well, I think most people listening to Small Business Edge have an understanding of how credit usually works today. Uh-huh. But essentially, creditworthiness is what is the likelihood that someone's going to pay back their debt on time, right? right. That's all it right. is. And the, the way that calculations typically work, calculations of creditworthiness, we feel those calculations are lacking nuance. Uh, they're imprecise. They're limited, right? They're based on, on a few factors. And the problem is many of the current models that are typically used, for example, by most banks, they contribute to a system where female entrepreneurs have a harder time than men do when they try and get business credit. Of course, it is not impossible women get credit all the time. But the, the point is, it's harder than it should be. And we believe it may be less less fair uh, than it could be. Um, okay. So you have your three major bureaus, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, and you have a single numerical score from one of these bureaus that can absolutely make or break your application for credit, um, which can make or break your business. And generally Mm -hmm. speaking, women bear a greater burden than men do because of the system for calculating creditworthiness. The system as we know it doesn't acknowledge all of the discriminating factors, the structural issues, the gender bias, the history. Um, And what's really interesting is the disconnect between how the industry defines creditworthiness, uh, the financial industry, and all of the research that suggests women-owned businesses or women-led businesses are equally or even more creditworthy in practice when compared with male-led businesses. When you control for other factors like size or, or time in business, um, it, it is true that there are more majority women-owned businesses in the in the $100,000 and under revenue category. However, mm-hmm. When you actually compare apples to apples, when you compare firms uh, of a similar age uh, and size, uh, we we looked at a study from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, credit risk comparisons of firms that have been in business for at least five years are indistinguishable by gender, meaning that the, the, the differences really disappear and, and there isn't any obvious reason why the women-led businesses should be, should be getting less credit. Um, and as I mentioned a moment ago, there's data suggesting that women as a group are more debt averse, that large firms with more female leaders are even more profitable. So all that to say, we at Funbox feel there are some, some gaps there in that typical calculation of creditworthiness. And we think that that number should, should have more nuance in it than it does. You know, it's funny you mentioned the, uh, after the five years that the, uh, the companies become indistinguishable. I remember years ago, this is probably, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I was working at Inc. Magazine. I was the associate publisher there. And uh, we had a relationship with an organization called ICIC, Initiative for Competitive Inner Cities. And um, oh. we did the uh, Inc. ICIC Inner City 100, much like the Inc. 500, you know, the top 500 uh, fastest growing entrepreneurial companies. We looked at them uh, at, in, in the inner cities. And these were defined as economically depressed urban areas. 
And what's amazing is that we took a handful of inner city companies and a handful off of the Inc. 500 list, and you couldn't tell which one was which. You know, the fact is that these companies in the inner cities were just as profitable, had uh, just as, you know, uh, an impressive revenue growth as their, you know, uh, metropolitan surrounding area, you know, uh, brethren on the Inc. 500. And so, but it, it, the largely these inner city companies were being run by uh, women and minority owned uh, businesses. So very, very interesting. It's again, it goes back to that unconscious bias about whether or not you want to do business with a company that's in the inner city, or you're a little more comfortable doing business with somebody who's in a, you know, an outlying area of a, of a major city. Right. That's really interesting. And what it what it means is that really it's not about the creditworthiness in practice or about the potential of those companies. It's about who's even getting access to opportunities to right. realize their potential, right? And that's exactly what we're talking about here. And, and and Michael Porter, the Harvard business professor who started ICIC, I'll never forget him saying, you know, Amer- we as a country are looking all over the world for opportunities you know, uh, to to export our goods and services. And the, the fact of the matter is the greatest opportunity is right in our own inner cities. You know, mm-hmm. reach out to these companies, have them become your vendor, your partner, your customers. And uh, that's that's where the greatest untapped resource lies right now. And that was in 2000. And that's probably even more so uh, today because these economically depressed urban areas are actually becoming like, they're like gold mines now because the growth of, of, um, of, uh, the cities is, is you know, people are looking at it saying where are untapped resources and they're pointing to places like Harlem and, uh, Camden, New Jersey and places like Detroit, you know, where they're saying, you know, this is a gold mine that is being sorely underutilized. And it's something I've always said that if we ever directed our resources to the least, um, uh, you know, the cities with with the least amount of resources, you know, you, it's it's very easy to turn them around. But I digress. Let's let's get back to to uh, our conversation. So, listening to what you're saying about credit approvals, let's let's focus on the financial companies. What can what can the financial companies do? to create a fairer future for women and uh, minority entrepreneurs? Well, we're living in a really exciting time for this industry. Technology is fueling change uh, in the financial space all over the place. The The landscape is changing incredibly fast. So it's an exciting time to work in, in financial services. Um, and it's an exciting time to start a business because of all these changes. This change is already happening because of changes in machine learning capability, artificial intelligence, and cloud computing. Um, mm-hmm. Those are three really big factors. Uh, because of these innovations, business, business owners excuse me, now have tons of new options uh, to access credit based on a larger data set, that is more data sources beyond just credit scores and income. So what we're seeing is a more and more nuanced understanding of business performance, what that means. Um, you know, what's different today that wasn't the case a couple decades ago is that we have a few things coming together uh, because of technological innovation. We have lots of financial and business data in the cloud, 
We have huge amounts of computing power available now, and we have machine learning models that allow companies to analyze all of that business data. In other words, we've had all of that business data. Banks have had potentially access to a lot of this data, but now machine learning allows financial firms to analyze way more data than humans ever could, way faster than human underwriters could ever do it. That also means we can continually analyze that data. We can do it on an ongoing basis. We can get more accurate assessments of business performance and risk since we're analyzing so many data sources at once. We can get dynamic assessments that are more accurate, um, that are more nuanced and fair to the business. Um, and there are a lot of companies working towards this goal. Fundbox is definitely one. We are primarily a data science company. Um, there are others in business financing. There's also companies in the personal lending space, home mortgages, student loans, etc. cetera. Uh, but the goal of all this technology is to get to a more customized, accurate, nuanced risk assessment so that we can then connect more people with the right financing at the exact right time and do it at a reduced cost. So, okay. So quick question. Yes. So does that eliminate the unconscious bias that we talked about earlier? That is a great question. And the answer is no. Using machine learning, of course, does not eliminate the unconscious bias. You have, okay. to be, you have to be very, very careful that you're not just using models that recreate the bias. Okay. You follow me? Excellent point. Yeah, totally. And, uh, yeah. Th thank you for bringing that up because that's, that's extremely important, right? You have to be thinking about this and building it into your models. Um, and Funbox is really leading the charge here. We, we feel very strongly that the system has not been fair. We want to enable access and use our technology for good. We want to use our technology to help better serve groups that have been underserved. And by the way, small business owners as a group, forget gender, small business owners as a group are extremely underserved by the current yeah. financial system. Totally uh, people agree. who want smaller loans, for example, or shorter term or faster. Um, we want to make sure that we're walking our walk too. And so as part of this report, as part of this project, we looked at our own data internally um, I worked with our data analytics team. We looked at 35,000 customer records, uh, and we determined that there was no discernible gap in the amount of credit that we extend to male versus female applicants. So in other words, applying our AI models to risk assessment, analyzing transactional business data to make those assessments, we are definitely seeing indications of closing the gender credit gap. And to us, that is huge. I totally agree. So I love that. And, and believe it or not, and this is what I love when I talk to people like you, Irene, is that time flies. So we are actually in the home stretch of this podcast, which is amazing because I feel like I started with you 30 seconds ago. But so now we, we understand what financial companies are doing and we understand the kind of the landscape of what the credit markets look like. What This is my last question. How can women business owners proactively put their companies in a better financial position? Well, I get this question a lot. Um, and again, not just, not just for women, but for small business owners in general. And the most important thing I would tell you, no matter who you are, is that when you're thinking about financing for your business, take your time, do some research, learn about the options, because there are so many options out there and many that weren't out there 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. 
when I talk to business owners, I hear often over and over again that they wish they had known there were more ways to get capital beyond just a traditional loan or a credit card. Those are the two things that most people think of when, when they think about how they're going to get funding. Um, in, in San Francisco, where I'm based, also add to that list you know, venture funding uh, if you have a startup. But there are really so many ways. And what you choose, the method that you choose for getting funding depends a lot on factors like the type of business you run, how many months or years you've been in business, your amount of revenue, and of course, how fast you need the funds and how fast you're willing to pay them back. Uh, if you need funds tomorrow to take advantage of a huge opportunity that's going to push you towards somebody like Funbox or another alternative online uh, financer, fintech company, because those are the sources where you're going to get the funds the fastest. You're going to find out if you're approved uh, quicker uh, within minutes or, or hours. Um, you just cannot get funds that fast from other sources like a bank. On the other hand, if you can afford to wait, and you want a longer time horizon to pay it back, or perhaps you want uh, a much larger amount, then maybe a traditional bank loan from a major bank is the best option for you. For other situations, you're probably going to end up with a combination of financing sources. You might choose to have multiple credit cards, but pay for some things in cash in your personal life, and, and your business is no, no different. Um, so there is a funding source for every purpose and opportunity, and there's never harm in exploring what your options are. So that would be my best advice. And I love it. And, and I think what you're saying is that um, the, the most important point is that you are, you know, as a business owner, you are proactive in, you know, staying on top of your financial situation. You know, don't let an emergency situation take a good business and put it behind the eight ball, right? You don't, you don't want to be looking for funding mm-hmm. after, uh, you know, an emergency is, is already taking place or even an opportunity to grow your business. So, you know, be, make, make, you know, make it a priority to educate yourself on the financial aspects and components of your business. Understand what your financial needs are, not only just for today and tomorrow, but six months and one year and two years from now, right? The better, the better, the better, educated you are and understand what opportunities are available to you, um, the less expensive uh, it will be when you have to go get money. Absolutely. And the less stressful. Um, I think educating yourself, especially on an ongoing basis, because the financial services uh, industry is changing so rapidly, technology is changing all of our lives so quickly, uh, educating yourself and staying on top of the changes is the best thing you can do. Love it. Irene Malatesta. And if you are interested in the report she is talking about, what if, uh, go to www.funbox.com backslash what if. And uh, Irene, if people wanted to reach out to you or to Funbox, let's say social media, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? You can find us on Twitter at Fundbox. And you can also find us on Facebook at Fundbox. You can find us on LinkedIn at Fundbox. We are all over the place. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. I I, I certainly appreciate it. Um, I'm always happy to have people on like yourself that you know want to help business owners run better companies and realize their dreams. And uh, hopefully, we will have you back on again soon to talk about maybe the next ebook that you publish. Thanks a lot, Brian. It was a pleasure. All right, Irene. And to all our listeners, thank you very much. 
keep those uh, comments coming and uh, if there's a future topic that you'd like us to cover just let us know we'd be happy to do it have a great day you've been listening to the small business edge podcast with brian moran sponsored by pitney bones please visit our website smallbusinessedge.com for a listing of future podcasts